Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.52 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 16th of April, 2021. This is episode 403 of Bitcoin, and that's a forbidden error in the uh, internet world. That's right, 403 is for boat and bitch, just like Doge should be. We'll get to that, don't worry. We're gonna, we're gonna get to all that stuff. Uh, in fact, you know what? Let's just, let's go ahead and get to it right now. You may be asking yourself, why is Doge pumping? And the answer is always Elon. But this time I think there's like, I think it caught fire. And that's just because it's a combination between uh, Doge pump and finally, because old, uh, old um, Elon, as usual, tweets out shit about Doge and people go nuts. But somehow or another, <clears throat> once it got past a dime, uh, something else happened. And I think it has everything to do with the psychology of uh, the mental people that are out there in the market. Uh, let's see what, what did, so, okay, well, let's start with what Elon did. All right. Elon Musk moon tweet <clears throat> sends Dogecoin flying high again, Jeff Benson. So let's get through it before, and, and maybe I'll get charged up for a rant. I don't know, man. It's kind of early. Uh, this is out of decrypt, by the way. Reminder, correlation does not imply causation. Unless, of course, you run the world's most famous electric car company, have 50 million Twitter followers, and can't help but make optimistic statements about the world's best-known meme coin. Yes, Elon Musk is tweeting about Dogecoin, again, and now the price of Doge is going up, again. Late Wednesday evening, the Tesla CEO tweeted artwork of a dog in a moon captioned Doge barking at the moon. In crypto parlance, moon refers to a rapidly rising price. The tweet came right around when Dogecoin reached a new all-time high of slightly more than 14 cents. Immediately after Musk's tweet, Doge mellowed to a downright chilly 13 cents, and then shot back up this morning to well over 18 cents. Some people start their day with a latte while checking the Wall Street Journal for financial advice. Others read Elon's tweets and chug a Red Bull. Dogecoin, created as a joke, now has a market cap of more than $21 billion, that's billion with a B, <clears throat> per data from Nomics, more than fellow coins EOS and Tron combined. Dogecoin, a meme coin, a joke coin, a coin that was created because of a, a deep-seated hatred for Bitcoin buy some, I don't know, I can't remember, I can't remember the guy's name offhand, it's just too damn early. Neither one of the creators of Dogecoin hold any Doge. They haven't held Doge for six years or something like that. I can't remember when Dogecoin was created. I think it was created in 
2014, but I'm probably wrong because it seems like it was much earlier than that. But be that as it may, I got Dogecoin at a market cap of $21 billion. Even, I mean, EOS, when, when EOS came online, it was because they raised $4 billion from the open market. And Dogecoin, a joke coin created out of a deep-seated hatred for Bitcoin, completely destroys it. Do Doge. Yeah, I feel it. I feel it coming on, bro. Among the top 10 coins by market cap, none has risen faster than Doge across the past year. If you bought $1 worth of Doge at this time last year, it would now be worth nearly $85. Oh, joy. Musk, who does not need the money unless Tesla isn't telling us something, has long been infatuated with the token. He first began tweeting about it in April of 2019. Quote, Dogecoin might be my favorite cryptocurrency, he replied to a tweet. It's pretty cool. Not really. Not when you figure out the parameters of it. While Musk has stated that his Dogecoin tweets are intended as jokes, they've been shown to move the market. A blockchain research lab study found that a December tweet helped push up the price by 8% in five minutes. Of course, Dogecoin was already doing fine before Musk logged in onto Twitter yesterday. Mark Cuban announced Tuesday that his Dallas Mavericks basketball team would keep the Dogecoin it collects for merchandise sales. Quote, we will never sell one single Doge ever, tweeted Cuban to his 8 million followers. So keep buying. Ooh, oh, I don't know about that shit, dude. Of course, then again, <clears throat> he could easily say in court that he said, no, no, I meant keep buying merchandise. See, that, that's how you get out of that, that slippery slope with the SEC. Anyway, laugh all you want. Dogecoin is now the world's eighth largest cryptocurrency by market capitalization. Eighth. Okay, if, if a reply to one of my tweets can be believed, and I don't know if it can or not, that the uh, Doge increases its... Uh, coin supply by $14 million every single day. Now, why is it that I don't know what the actual number is? Because I don't fucking care. I haven't cared about Doge since I in ended up getting, like, losing opportunity on Bitcoin because I was stupid back in 2015 when I first got into the space because I didn't know any better. And nobody else does either. We've got millions of people piling into quote-unquote crypto and they're all doing the exact same thing that I did in 2015. They're also doing the same thing that the newcomers in 20, at the end of 2016, through, and, and especially through the mid-2017s, uh, when they came in, I guarantee you they were doing the same shit. The OGs that came before me, they did the same shit. You know, it was somehow or another, we always end up not understanding what the opportunity cost in the long term is because we can't see the future. But when you have enough past behind, you know, when you have more days behind you, you start really understanding what that opportunity cost of me buying a bag of Doge really was. Sure, could I, could I sell it today? I guess. I guess I could pump, put my bag of Doge into Kraken or whatever and sell it, you know, market direct for, uh, for either cash or, or Bitcoin. But if I take cash, I'm, I'm 
I'm doing the same stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm missing out on a, on a supreme opportunity. But then again, my Doge is secured by a hardware wallet that is probably, in my opinion, one of the worst hardware wallets on the market being a ledger. Because both of my ledgers, my prime and my backup ledger, have both failed on trying to update. This will be the third ledger that I've had that did that shit. All right, and why? Because they don't support they don't support my version of Windows anymore. And yes, I use Windows because guess what, guys? You go try to find some really good audio editing, you know, audio editing, video editing, 3D software. You go find some really good shit for Linux, and you're going to be looking for a long time. I mean, like a long time, especially the video stuff. Audio, yeah, I can get that. But video, no, not really. I mean, if you know of something, dude, DM me. DMs are open at B-E-N-N-D-7-7. <clears throat> but they don't, since they don't support my version of Windows, uh, I can't update the firmware because they're always updating the firmware, which scares the piss out of me. What, what, think about the man in the coma. The man in the coma wakes up 20 years from now, has like, you know, a bunch of bags of shit secured on his ledger device, except, oh my God, he needs firmware. And can't get it. Okay? So either I have to try again, and I'm gonna do I'm I'm gonna do this because at this point I need to get rid of all my bags of bullshit and just trade them in straight up for Bitcoin. The my only problem with that is is that now it really is a taxable event because when I was doing that shit before, no one was looking. No one was looking. Right? No one gave a shit in 2015 what the hell was going on. Now they do. Now they are going to be looking. So do I want a taxable event? I don't know. It just, I just I want to get rid of them is my point because this is all bullshit. So I will try to go to my wife's computer and see if it will update off of a Windows 10, except the last time that I saw both of these, they almost looked like they were bricked. So I don't know. And the thought of having to order another one of these things from the shittiest company on the face of the planet who does not care about the man in the coma, it makes me kind of ill because they're about a hundred bucks, probably 120 to 140 if, if I had to guess, especially in today's climate. But if I can do it, then I'm probably going to throw them over to Kraken and just market sell them for Bitcoin because this is, this is just, I, I, can't even, I can't even justify holding this shit anymore. If people are going to be, the, I use, here, here's what I, how I used to justify it. If I sell my Doge and whatever I have in my Litecoin bag, and I think I've got five Ethereum Classic left over or something like that, am I even being ethically responsible to, because I don't want these guys getting hurt. But if I sell them trash, that's going to hurt them. Some people have told me, screw them, you know, get rid, you know, get rid of your bags. You know, so if some, if an idiot's going to buy it, then an idiot's going to buy it. But somehow or another, I still feel that that's wrong. But at this point, I'm like, I could just get more Bitcoin. And even then, I will not be able to anywhere close or come close to gaining back the opportunity cost that I suffered when I bought bags of crap. And I'm not going to do it again. This is, this is just, this this entire market last night was out of control. 
I was seeing everything go to the moon. At one point or another, I'm just like looking at, at, at I'm looking at nothing but uh, price bots telling me the price of all kinds of shit. What I'm not seeing is BitMEX research or BitMEX wrecked tweets come down telling me about a whole bunch of shorts that got liquidated. Now, I'm not sure how, <clears throat> how I didn't see that because with the price going up like that, you know shorts are getting liquidated left and right. In fact, it was an extinction level event for bears last night. It was that bad. And that's what, that's what an alt season looks like. And I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to fan your fan the flames here, guys, but you got to understand your look at this is what alt, if you ever wondered what alt season looks like, or if you were wondering what alt season is at all, because people tweeting when alt season, when alt season. Yeah, this is what alt season looks like. It's the very pinnacle of it's the local top of stupid is what it is. Don't get suckered in. Because if Doge is pumping out $14 million or 14 million coins every single day at this price, their, their market, the market cap is just going to be insane, okay? That's not good. That's not a good thing. Because people like me are going to go, holy shit, I'm going to dust off that bag and market sell it for Bitcoin. And if you think I'm the only one who's thinking about doing that, you're, you're crazy. There was lots of people that bought bags of Doge just because it was fun. And now they're looking at it going, you know, I could get a lot more Bitcoin. I'm just saying, watch out. I might not even be able to make it. By the time I figure out my little red wagon, Doge could very well be under one penny again, which is exactly where it belongs. Now, the 14 million a day, I don't know if that's what actually is being minted by Doge. And again, I'm going to reiterate the fact that I don't know goes back to what I was saying yesterday about if you're trading altcoins, what you're trading upon is the absolute ignorance of a whole bunch of people who don't know any better. They haven't looked at how a particular, you know, a particular blockchain like, I don't know, say EOS or Tron actually works. They have no idea of the history of it. They have no idea of the mechanics of it. It, I mean, I have some of this stuff. I've got actually quite a bit of this stuff, and it's not enough for me to actually go trade on fundamentals. So if I'm trading, I'm literally trading on the stupidity of the ignorant masses. Not that I'm brilliant. I'm just saying that there are a shit ton of people who are very ignorant coming into this space, and it's a very dangerous time. And this is when you just sit back and you just watch. But I am not going to go study the inner workings of fucking Dogecoin. And if I'm not going to do it, being, you know, this many years into the space, I guarantee you the brand, the, the newbies are not going to be doing the same. And this creates a very dangerous environment for everybody. Okay. The noobs are actually creating an environment that is going to be inhospitable to them at some certain point. There will be some certain breakover point, like we saw the last alt season, where things just, they, they just die. And we very well may be at a local top for everything and have to suffer through another three years of like, we'll drop another 30% and we suffer through another three years before the next halving. Some people have been call calling for a super cycle. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think it could break either way at this point. But if alt season continues, I think the chances grow that we end up in a local top with a blow off to 30% to the downside that basically remains stable 
About six months later, we get another 20% drop and we sit here for three months going sideways. And you thought sideways at 59,000 was bad? Oh baby, you just wait. If we break down, if we break down and go into what we went into post 2017, December and 2018, January, then it's just gonna be boring. But that will be when people build. All right. That's the old that's the only saving grace between between the 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 peaks. There, there's a halving and then the price peaks and then it drops 30% and then it goes sideways and drops a little bit more and then it goes sideways and then it starts creeping up and then the next halving, people go, oh shit, is it priced in or is it not priced in? And nobody really knows. And then we will go back up. I would rather see a super cycle just because it would be different, but I'm preparing myself for sideways motion for three straight years. Let's continue with this bullshit. Ethereum devs fix software after Berlin upgrade goes awry. <clears throat> Jeff Benson is writing this one for Decrypt. Uh, <clears throat> In the early hours of Thursday morning, the Ethereum blockchain underwent a network upgrade. Uh, I put upgrade in quotes here. Very quickly, it became clear that something was wrong. No shit. Just 294 blocks into the Berlin hard fork, there was a consensus error with one of the software clients, Open Ethereum, and nodes weren't syncing to the blockchain. What that means is that anyone running the client, which is 12% of all Ethereum nodes according to this, I think it's more, but whatever, essentially was unable to use the blockchain until the error was fixed. The problem even led to an outage on Block Explorer Etherscan. That issue has now been quote-unquote fixed. According to developers with Open Ethereum, the second largest software client after Geth, Ethereum users can utilize any number of clients, among them Geth and Parity Ethereum, to actually get on the blockchain. It's very loosely analogous to choosing among different web browsers to get online. They all basically do the same thing in different ways. However, in this case, when Ethereum clients don't agree on some basics, the whole blockchain is at, at, is at increased risk of attack <clears throat> the problem was related to a transaction referring to a smart contract that doesn't yet exist, but is planned for a future upgrade. Gnosis CEO and network contributor Martin Koppelman tweeted today, quote, Open Ethereum org thus handled the gas pricing of that transaction slightly incorrectly, which caused all subsequent problems. The block was rejected as invalid. End quote. In other words, the Open Ethereum software priced a single transaction differently from other software clients that had knock-on effects that caused a whole block full of transactions to be rejected by the open Ethereum client, but not the others, at which point the blockchain fell out of sync. As a result, exchanges such as Bitstamp and newly public Coinbase disabled withdrawals of Ethereum and <clears throat> ERC-20 tokens, which run through the Ethereum network. According to Marius Vendervigen, a developer with Go Ethereum, which helped resolve the issue, the bug was obscure enough that the issue never occurred while this latest upgrade was still being tested. Wrote Kopelman, quote, after installing the updates, open Ethereum nodes should be able to resync without any issues, e.g. no resync from Genesis or manual deletion of a block necessary. Translation, everything's cool now. Crisis averted. Does this sound like the future of money? Ask yourself that. 
I mean, when 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 Visa goes down, it's literally only it, the only reason it's down is because like a power outage in a region. You know, there's been a couple of times that the entire, you know, Visa and MasterCard network has gone down, but it's actually really rare. <clears throat> Bitcoin never goes down, though. See, that's the thing. Bitcoin doesn't suffer this. We don't have these problems. I mean, how confident are you as an ETH holder? And I don't hold any ETH. I, hold, I have 5.8 Ethereum Classic. And guess what? Even Ethereum Classic doesn't go through this shit. Most likely because nobody's developing new shit for it. And I get that. But still, at least it's stable. I mean, how would you like to have woken up and not be able to, you know, you weren't able to trade on Coinbase if you were, you know, if you were using open, you know, open Ethereum, you weren't able to do anything. You would have had to have sync a Geth client. And the reason that so many people use open Ethereum is because nobody can really sync a Geth client. And that brings up a whole other host of issues. And all these people that are just screaming about how Ethereum is so good seem to just completely forget that Ethereum has major problems. This is not how you want to be going around doing shit. You know, it must have been a nail-biting moment for the developers, you know, having to, you know, figure out how to fix this shit. And I, be- I don't believe in, for a hard, I don't believe in a second, for, for a second that only 12% is open Ethereum. I don't care what anybody says. I believe it's a lot more because it's a lot easier node to actually run and, and execute being able to sync up. Geth is impossible. There's a couple of people that tried in the Bitcoin world, really gave it a good shot, documented what they were doing, and they were like comparing it to what the instructions were, and they were being good faith, and they couldn't do it for a month. It took them a month to try to get anywhere close to a synced Geth node, and I think one out of the three people that I know of that did it actually was able to do it. A month. Guys... If you really do believe that ETH is the future of money, then what you're really saying is that the future of money is broken because this shit always breaks. Now, speaking of upgrade, we have Speedy Trial being merged into Bitcoin Core, potentially setting a path to taproot activation. Bitcoin Magazine has this. Now, I talked about it yesterday, but basically all it was was an announcement that Speedy Trial was merged, and I'm hoping that Peter Chihuahua will have more information on the details. According to a GitHub pull request, a BIP9 based implementation of Speedy Trial has been merged with the code for Bitcoin Core, offering a potential path for activating the much anticipated protocol upgrade taproot. As the Bitcoin Core dev community has debated the best way of implementing taproot, which would add smart contract flexibility and privacy to Bitcoin, Speedy Trial has emerged as a potential solution. Quote, Speedy Trial would give miners three months to signal support for the Taproot upgrade with their hash power, as Aaron Von Wiertem and Georges Provost explained in a recent episode of Bitcoin Magazine's Van Wiertem Source NATO podcast. If a supermajority of miners signal support for the upgrade within these three months, Taproot will activate a couple of months later. If miners don't signal support within three months, the upgrade will expire and a new upgrade path can then be considered, end quote. There were two potential paths for getting Speedy Trial integrated into Bitcoin Core through BIP9 or through BIP8 with some notable differences between the two methods. Bitcoin developer Luke Dash Jr., who has been active in community discussions regarding taproot activation, noted his dissent 
around this BIP9-based implementation of Speedy Trial on Twitter. Quote, Community came to consensus on BIP8, he wrote, in reply to a tweet sharing the GitHub pull request. Quote, These devs are ignoring that and pushing their own agenda instead. It is an attack on Bitcoin, not a good thing. All right, so here we are again. It's my opinion, okay? Do not take this in any way, shape, form, fashion as truth. It is my opinion and my opinion only, but I'm starting to get the shakes from PTSD from the uh, block size wars in 2016-2017, especially the 2017 portion of it, because that's when things got brutal. That's when you saw people like Roger Ver, uh, you know, bail out. And if you don't think Roger Ver isn't going to use this fight that Luke Dash Jr. seems to be wanting to start as fodder for why people should go over to God only knows Bitcoin Cash, <clears throat> then you're crazy. He is going to use it. He's a marketer. He's not a developer. He's a marketer. But he's going to Luke Dash Jr. is playing right into people like that hands. All right. He's playing right into the hands of, of the detractors of Bitcoin. Now, do, do I think he's wrong or right? I don't know. I, I'm not a developer. However, the fact that he's vocal in calling it an attack on Bitcoin from within sounds very familiar. And what I'm asking Luke to do is to stop using that kind of language, at least publicly. Try to figure out a way to talk to the developers without saying that they're attacking. Right, because that's the language that will be used as a marketing scheme by Calvin Ayer, Craig Wright, Roger Ver, and Vitalik Buterin. That's exactly what these people would love to be able to use. And Luke seems to be playing right into it. And it's very sad because I've always regarded Luke in a really high manner. And I still do. I just I think this particular style of going after, you know, trying to push his agenda. I think it's the wrong way to go. That's all I'm going to say about it. Now, with that said, we have an MASF, a minor activated soft fork that has been written by some people. And I got fed the information from Bitcoin Mechanic, which is at grass-fed Bitcoin. And he has this tweet. Here it is, the UASF client of 2021. This will lead to taproot activation via BIP8, lot equals true. This is what I will be running, and I encourage you to do the same. This release is not incompatible in any way with regular Bitcoin Core. So what is this? Okay. During the block size wars of 2017, <clears throat> at the very end, after the New York Agreement, and if you don't know what the New York Agreement is, it was basically a bunch of companies that wanted to Activate SegWit and then force an upgrade, or not an upgrade, but a uh, doubling of the block size because my transaction times and my fee rates. And it was signed by a bunch of suits, Coinbase being one of them. And they essentially what they did is they got in a room in New York and they signed this agreement that they were going to do this thing, which meant that they were going to attack and this is where the, the whole attack scenario came, came along. They were going to attack the consensus rules of Bitcoin. And what they essentially said is that they would overpower 
the main chain by having 98% of the mining or the hash rate on their side. And at the time, you know, Bitmain was in on this whole thing. That's one of the reasons why Bitmain is now a dead company, essentially. Well, it's not dead. There's obviously selling a bunch of stuff, but yeah, they're, they, they could have been Kings and now they're just competitors at this point in either event. They were going to overpower the main chain. They were telling people that they were that if we, you know, tried to use the main chain, that we were just going to be very, very sad. That was like publicly stated in on several occasions, and it made everybody mad. So uh, there was a client that was released called the UASF client, and well, it may have been actually had a more technical name, but it ended up being the UASF client. Whereas node runners said, okay, fine, you guys go split off. We're going to run, all our nodes are going to run this. And we're basically not going to validate a single fucking transaction for you. And your chain with your 98% hash to power will die because you're not going to have anything to actually mine because it's the nodes that validate the transactions. The miners just put those valid transactions into a block and mine the, or mine the block and then put the transactions into it and then add that to the blockchain. That's what the miners do. They have no power to validate transactions. That's my job. And the UASF client basically told them that if we see anything that even remotely looks like a change in the consensus rules, you're going to be off the chain and it was, it was literally a Mexican standoff. We were, all of us were pointing guns at each other. UASF won. Now that we're back into this whole bullshit with this fight on Taproot, and everybody wants Taproot, and now, but this time, it's not that we don't want, it's not that there's a fight about whether or not Taproot should be there. Everybody considers that good. Now it's the activation method that's causing people to wet their diapers, which is even worse because it has nothing to do, I mean, while Taproot will add to consensus rules or and in some opinions will change consensus rules, but not stuff like 21 million cap, not stuff like one megabyte blocks, not stuff like SegWit is just an additive. So in my opinion, it doesn't really change consensus rules. It just changes the changes a method of doing stuff. So that's not even in contention. Now it's a fight for whose activation method gets selected. And I'm tired of the egos. You know what? I just am. This is all bullshit. There's, there's no reason for it. So Bitcoin Mechanic and whoever else has worked on this has released a taproot miner activated soft fork so that the miners can just say, let's just turn this shit on. And according to the release notes, it says... The technical details for Bitcoin Core 0.21.0 hyphen based taproot client 0.1. And this is the reading directly from the GitHub. This client will enforce minor activation of taproot via BIP8 with lot equals true. Technical details. It is a soft fork, not a hard fork. It's a soft fork. Uh, it's BIP341 witness and BIP342 scripts. The earliest activation is at block 709,632, which is slated for sometime around November the 12th of 2021. The latest activation is 762,048, <clears throat> which is November of 2022, somewhere around November the 11th. The activation method is BIP8. 
The API name is Taproot, signal bit is two, start height is 681,408, which is uh, a block that's gonna come through sometime around April the 30th. And the timeout height is 760,032, which is sometime October, 2022. The threshold must be 90% and lock in on timeout is set to true. Now, I'm not going to get into, you know, explaining all that because it ends up being way more technical than I want to get into and also way more technical than I am able to expound on without confusing the living piss out of myself and everybody else. Suffice it to say that a client very much like the UASF has been released into the wild. It's out there. And if you're, you know, I, I, if you want to run it, that is up to you. But disclaimer. It is up to you to do your own research and to make sure that you're running code that is compatible and not malicious and it's not going to steal your funds or try to screw with the network. <clears throat> this is a public service announcement. I have no, nothing to do with this particular project, but it's always advisable to don't trust, verify. Let's get into the numbers. cnbc.com forward slash futures and commodities. <clears throat> I have a sneaky suspicion that bond rates got pushed down. Why? Because energy is up, metals are up, the indices are up, and uh, farm commodities are mixed, but mostly to the upside. Let's see what happens, because I haven't actually seen the bond futures yet. Oil, <clears throat> pretty much moving sideways today, but up. 0.03. West Texas Intermediate is $63.50 for a barrel. Brent North Sea up 0.07%. It is 66. Damn near, it's like two pennies off is 67 bucks for a barrel. Natural gas is swinging high to a, what, one and a quarter point. $2.69 by a thousand cubic feet of that. Shiny metal rocks, gold is up 0.6. Silver up 0.9. Platinum up 0.7. Copper up 0.3, palladium up 0.5. Uh, just so you know, uh, gold is going to come in at $1,777.70. Probably numerology at play there. Uh, like I said, all the agricultural futures are up except for sugar and cotton, which are both down. Uh, let's see. Yes, I was right. Interest rate futures on all the bonds have been pushed lower the 30 year by half a point. Holy shit. The 10 year is down. 0.14%, the five-year is down 0.1%, the two-year down is 0.01%, and the Euro three-month bond has uh, has been pushed down by 0.01%, so I was right. I'm starting to get good at this, I think. Once When all the, when all the shit is up, bonds must be down. When everything is down, bonds, bond uh, yields must be up. And, you know, honestly, I just want to ex exit the legacy system altogether. Okay, so with all alt seasons come a depression in price in Bitcoin because people are selling their Bitcoin as well as their opportunity cost and they're, and they're selling out their future generations for bags of trash. We have Bitcoin at $60,554, 311,000 <clears throat> 311, 
890 transactions performed in the last 24 hours. That's right at 13,000 transactions every hour on the hour with 607,965 BTC being sent in the last 24 hour period. That is, is 25,332 BTC. An average transaction value of 1.95 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.016 BTC or right around 974 bucks. Block times are slightly low, 9 minutes and 40 seconds. We have 1 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. And oh shit, 152 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24-hour period. With a, oh my God, with a 15.3% jump in hash rate to the upside, we are at an all-time high of 187.5 exahashes per second. That is definitely an all-time high. I'm, I'm sorry, that's just where it is. So your shitcoin indicator is at 30 cents. Dogecoin is past 25 cents. It's at 30 cents. I'm not even going to do the calculation of what my bag is worth because, in my opinion, my bag is worth shit. My bag might as well still be sub one penny where it, where it, where it was for, I don't know, like five straight years. And all of a sudden, here comes Elon and says, oh, this is a cute little coin. Let's fucking pump its bag. And now my bag's pumped. I can't get to it to get it on Kraken so that I can get rid of it to some other idiot so that they can figure out what opportunity cost actually means. When you don't understand what opportunity cost, the phrase, means, you're never going to have opportunity. Don't, be, don't make my mistakes, guys. Don't sell your Bitcoin. If you have bags of trash, sell them on the open market, out in the open for Bitcoin, not cash. This is really, I mean, honestly, it's excruciating. I mean, Dogecoin is pumping, Litecoin was at 290 last night and people are selling their Litecoin so that they can get into Doge. Ethereum Classic is at 30 bucks, guys. People who are denying that alt season is in full swing are kind of fooling themselves. I don't like alt season. I didn't like alt season last time. I don't like it this time. I think most, I think 99.99% of all of crypto is pure, either trash, crap, ignorance, straight up scam, or people who think they're doing the right thing, but end up being scammers anyway. They can't help it. Clark Moody, get me out of this shit. 64,536 transactions are waiting for 84 blocks to board to clear. We have captured $1.13 trillion of gold's market cap. We are down below 10% of gold's market cap. Sorry, I'm sorry. God, I did that wrong. $1.13 trillion of market capitalization for Bitcoin, which represents under 10% of gold's market cap. We are at 9.81%. One Bitcoin will buy you 34 ounces of shiny metal rocks. There are, in fact, 18,684,135.96 BTC in circulation at the time. And Clark Moody is reflecting a nominal price of $60,560, which is basically what I got off of BitInfo charts. We have 1,207.08 BTC in the Lightning Network. That is worth $73.1 million over 10,613 nodes. My God. Dude, Lightning Network is spinning up very fast. 
There are 42,393 channels. The percentage of tour capacity holding at 57.7%. That means there's 696.36 BTC in the tour side of the Lightning Network being run over an ever-increasing number of tour nodes that we can see holding right now at 4,805 nodes. Holy shit. Lightning is fixing to blow up. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. There are other reasons for the Bitcoin dip other than alt season and people like trying to liquidate their, their, some of their positioning so that they can get in on it. You mean get in on opportunity cost wasting, but hey, whatever. Uh, like I said, there are other reasons and Turkey is one of them. Bitcoin dips as Turkey bans crypto payments. This actually happened last night. Uh, yeah, it, it really did happen last night. Adrian Hamaker is writing this for Decrypt.co. Now, you guys don't get freaked out. If you can't handle the FUD, dude, you are in the wrong industry, man. I'm telling you, bro. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have been banned as a form of payment. This is critical that you understand this. It has been banned as a form of payment for goods and services in Turkey, according to a notice published earlier today by the country's central bank. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Banned by the central bank. So does the central bank write the rules? Do, there, are they the ones that make the laws or is it parliament? Do, I mean, does Erdogan have like any say as to what laws go on in his country? Of course, he's going to side with the central banks on this. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting more and more concerned that central banks are able to do stuff outside of parliament or Congress or whatever. We need to be really careful going into the future here, people, as to who we trust to do what. Anyway, Bitcoin fell 2% to approximately 61,600 shortly after the announcement, which cited irreparable possible damages and significant risks with transactions involving cryptocurrencies. The new legislation goes into effect on April the 30th. <clears throat> cryptocurrencies have been in the midst of a boom in the country, which has seen inflation weaken the value of the Turkish lira. The Turkish lira hit near historic lows last month, coinciding with a spike in Turkey's Google searches for Bitcoin. The Central Bank of Turkey said that the ban on direct or indirect use of cryptocurrencies and other such digital assets was necessary because these assets were neither subject to regulation and supervision mechanisms nor a central regulatory authority, among other risks. Turkey accounts for a large percentage of cryptocurrency use in the Middle East. The country ranks 29th out of 154 countries on forensic firm chain analysis Global Crypto Adoption Index, and number one in the Middle East. On Turkey-based exchange BTC Turk, the most common trade for Lira is Bitcoin. Or, or, sorry, the most common trade is Lira for Bitcoin. Quote, the Turkish Lira has been extremely volatile in recent years, prompting some to shift portions of their savings to cryptocurrency, the report uh, noted. The report also showed the pre-existing adoption of mobile fintech and payments platform was higher in Turkey than elsewhere in the region, and that should, uh, and that should a sound regulatory framework be adopted, it would likely lead to even more crypto adoption. However, the Turkish authorities have chosen a more draconian stance in contrast to other nations in the region, such as the UAE. 
Now, in March, a Turkish cryptocurrency industry representative told Decrypt that fears over capital controls may eventually push regular citizens toward seeking alternatives that don't involve regular bank accounts. Like India and various other countries that have tried to ban cryptocurrencies before, Turkey may want to reconsider its rather drastic move. Yeah. Exactly. Why, why would they want to reconsider that? Well, because what they just did is they went down to the black market with millions of gallons of gasoline, poured it over the black market, and lit that motherfucker on fire because their black market is going to be lit as fuck. You think these people are just going to say, oh, and now it's illegal. I don't think people give other humans and humanity in general, the benefit of the doubt when it comes to how just how far you can push them. In one way, it's surprising how far you can push humanity. But in another, it's very, very surprising just how quickly they draw a line in the sand and say, no more. And they will do everything and anything to make sure that they're able to complete the transactions they need to complete to communicate the value they need to communicate, to procure the goods and services that they need to procure without any motherfucker standing in their way. How are you going to ban this? What are you going to do? If you think you're going to go down to the Turkish bazaar and set up shop as an undercover agent and all of a sudden start selling figs, guess what? Nobody at the bazaar knows who you are. That's the beauty of an open-air, functional market like a bazaar. The other vendors don't know who you are. And if they do know who you are, they probably know that you're a cop. So if you're going to try to nab somebody by trying to scan a QR code and it ends up being a cryptocurrency, good luck. Because those stalls are really hard to come by. They're really hard to come by. And most people buy from people that they know. They're not just going to start buying from some stranger who just shows up. So good luck with that whole <clears throat> cryptocurrency ban. And guess what? It's not going to start the, stop the Lira from crashing. Your fiat currency is burning to ash. And if you had any sense about you whatsoever, you would be the first country on the planet to say, we're done. We're on a Bitcoin standard. But they're not going to do that. Because that's the other thing that's surprising about humanity is the hubris. The hubris in the, in the human spirit is beyond any measure of anything else in the universe, including black holes. The energy at which somebody can actually believe their own bullshit is insane. And we're going to watch it play out in Turkey. And guess what? It is not going to play out well on both sides of the fence. Just saying. Chinese mining pools, hash power plummets amid regional blackouts. So I was wondering what was going on with the hash rate yesterday and the day before. <clears throat> so Samuel Haig tells us more about it from Cointelegraph. The hashing power of top Bitcoin mining pools located in Northwest China appear to have plummeted due to a regional blackout to enable safety inspections. Let me hold up right there. A pool is a website. Okay. I think what was meant to be said here was the hashing power of top Bitcoin mining facilities located in Northwest China appear to have plummeted due to a regional blackout to enable safety inspections because a pool can collect mining from anywhere in the world. 
if this is a truly regional thing, yes, the pool might reflect that a whole bunch of hashing power went offline, but what we're really looking at is the mining, the physical mining facility, the building in which the miners sit and consume electricity. Okay, that's, that's what we're looking at. The news was reported by Wu Blockchain, the author of Chinese crypto newsletter, Wu Block, who noted significant drops in the hash rate of several major pools with Ant Pool crashing 24.5%, Binance Pool dipping 20%, BTC.com falling 18.9% in Pool and dropping by, God dang, a third, Jesus. According to an article on Chinese media outlet Wutok, the region of Xinjiang is currently experiencing, quote, a comprehensive power outage safety inspection. The inspections follow recent flooding, uh, sorry, a recent flooding accident at a coal mine in Xinjiang that saw 21 miners temporarily trapped at three different locations. The mine was swamped in a sudden flood while making technical upgrades, resulting in communication interruptions and power outages underground. Nearly 1,500 rescue personnel were deployed to the mine to assist with the emergency. Xinjiang is a major source of global Bitcoin hash rate with the Cambridge Bitcoin Energy Consumption, or BECI, estimating the region currently represents nearly 36% of China's combined hashing power, with China comprising two-thirds of global mining power. BECI estimates Xinjiang to comprise 23.3% of global hash rate. According to Ycharts, the outages appear to have driven a roughly 2.2% drop in the Bitcoin network's combined hash rate in the past 24 hours, which has slid from 169.4 million terahashes per second, or exahashes. Uh, that would be, just say, don't say million terahashes. It's 169.4 exahashes per second to 165 point eight ter uh uh exahashes per second as of this morning so be that as it may you know we're we're now back up apparently the quote unquote safety inspections are over but you better keep that in the back of your mind safety inspections could be used as a weapon jim kramer thinks he won he cashes out half his quote phony money bitcoin to pay off his mortgage oh, oh. coin telegraph Joshua Mapperson, tell us more. <clears throat> Business TV personality and converted Bitcoin proponent, yeah, right, Jim Cramer, has sold half of what he calls his phony money Bitcoin portfolio to pay off his mortgage. Now, let me stop right there for just a sec. Do you have any idea how much Jim Cramer gets paid and has been paid over the past decade and a half? That's a lot of money. What the fuck is Jim Cramer doing with a mortgage? Ask yourself that. Honestly, this guy gets millions of dollars a year and he's got a mortgage? On what planet do you live on that you got a mortgage when you're getting paid that much and you don't have to have a mortgage? I don't know, man. Honestly, I smell a rat. Jim is a weird cat, dude. I don't trust his ass. Sometimes I like him. He's a good entertainer. I will give him that. But honestly, I don't think he's actually operating in best faith mode at this point. Okay, so let's get into it. During Thursday's broadcast of Squawk on the Street, <clears throat> co-anchor Jim Cramer revealed that he's decided to become an apostate by selling off half of his Bitcoin holdings to pay off his home. Kramer, who also hosts Mad Money, said that he bought a lot of Bitcoin at $12,000 because he thought it was a currency and finally decided to take profits. How do you take profits in currency unless it's a Forex? 
Quote, it was like kind of phony money paying for real money, Kramer laughed. I, I now own a house, lock, stock, and barrel because I bought this currency. I think I won. I think you don't understand what you had. Twitter user SZ Beatscoin likened Kramer selling to the infamous pizza purchased for 10,000 BTC. Once a Bitcoin critic, Kramer told his CTO to put 500 grand into Bitcoin after speaking to Morgan Creek Digital co-founder Anthony Pompliano in September of last year. He even considered putting 1% of his $150 million net worth into the digital asset. Again, I ask, what is Jim Kramer doing with a mortgage. Anyway, at the time, BTC was hovering between 10 and 12K, but is now sitting at 63,000, up 425% in only six months. Famous NFL player Russell O'Kung called to Pompliano to pull Kramer back onto the straight and narrow by saying, selling Bitcoin? Yo, Pomp, get your boy. In December, Kramer said he bought more, more around the 17,000 price range, although he didn't reveal how much. The TV personality returned to Pompliano's podcast on March the 22nd to thank him for the encouragement, explaining that he has since pulled out his initial investment and is now playing with the house's money and that he's never going to touch it. That obviously has not lasted. Never trust the Kramer man. Although he didn't reveal how much his Bitcoin portfolio was worth, according to the cryptocurrency's performance, it could have been around $2.4 million. During the brief discussion on Squawk on the Street, Kramer also reaffirmed his opinions regarding Coinbase's listing yesterday, stating that a $600 price target for Coinbase's coin stock is still correct. Quote, this is all a scarcity. We don't have any other way for mutual funds to be involved with crypto, end quote. By investing in Coinbase stock, he added, you not only get crypto, but also honest management. No, <laughs> you don't get crypto by investing in Coinbase stock. I, dude, oh man, that's, what a fail. These, these guys have been on television for decades telling people how to invest their money and yet he does not understand that he's, you don't get crypto. In fact, you're not really even getting exposure to crypto by buying Coinbase stock. You get more exposure to crypto by buying Grayscale than by buying Coinbase. And Jim doesn't understand that. And Jim has been at the forefront of telling millionaires and billionaires what to do with their money after they make it like all the rest of these jokers. And you wonder why we have fiat everything from art to architecture, to the way houses are built, to, to the way houses are laid out, to the way houses are laid out relative to each other in neighborhoods, strip malls, telephone poles, all this bullshit. You wonder why you go into like midtown Dallas and it all looks the same and it's nothing but asphalt. It's because of people like this telling billionaires what to do with their money and the people that are telling them what to do with their money don't understand simple facts. No, Jim Cramer, you do not get exposure to cryptocurrency when you buy Coinbase stock. If you want that, go buy Grayscale or wait for ETFs. Jesus, God, how the hell am I not that rich?
Kathy Woods Ark dumps Tesla to buy $246 million of Coinbase shares. So the idiots still keep on going. Not that, honestly, that may have been a good trade. I need Tesla to actually be cranking out car after car after car like GM does before I admit that their stock price actually reflects their valuation. But be that as it may, Andrew Asmakov has this one from Decrypt. Three funds operated by Kathy Woods Arc Investment Management bought as much as $246 million with the Coinbase shares on Wednesday when the U.S. largest cryptocurrency exchange debuted on the NASDAQ. As per the company's daily trade summary, ARK Innovation ETF, ARK Fintech Innovation ETF, and ARK Next Generation Internet ETF snapped a total of 750,000 shares of Coinbase Global Incorporated. The largest chunk of the purchase, which amounted to $168 million in Coinbase stock, was added to the firm's flagship ARK Innovation Fund. The remainder of the money was allocated to the other two funds. Remarkably, <clears throat> To make room for the Coinbase stock, ARK sold $178 million in Tesla shares, as well as a $4.4 million stake in Intercontinental Exchange, the operator of the New York Stock Exchange, or NYSE. Last month, ARK said it expected Tesla stock to reach $3,000 by 2025, and despite ditching a portion of its shares, the electric car manufacturer is still the largest combined holding for the ARK Innovation ETF and Next Generation Internet ETF. ARK Invest's latest move should not come as a big surprise, though it's in line with Kathy Wood's previous statements about Bitcoin. According to the firm's head, it represents a new asset class and may serve as a reserve currency in the future. No, no, Coinbase is not a new asset class. It does stuff in a new asset class, but it's just another listed stock on the NASDAQ. It ah oh God. The New York-based company already had indirect exposure to Bitcoin through its investment in Tesla stock, and now it's doubling down on that with its purchase of Coinbase shares. No, it's not because it sold Tesla to buy Coinbase, so it just shifted. It didn't double down. God. Founded in 2014, ARK Invest specializes in what it calls thematic investing in disruptive innovation. The firm's ARK Innovation Fund, which has a stake in companies like Square, Shopify, and Zoom, saw its assets under management rise from $1.8 billion at the end of 2019 to $22 billion in March of this year. Okay, she did well. I'll, I'll give her that. Valued at over $85 billion. Coinbase debuted its stock coin on NASDAQ on Wednesday via direct listing and concluded its first day of public trading with a share price of $328, which is up 31% from the reference price of $250. Now, given, <clears throat> given that last statement, it should be noted. Everybody was shitting on Coinbase, and I don't like Coinbase. You know I don't like Coinbase, but I got you know, you got to give fact where fact is due. They were supposed to go on, the reference rate was supposed to be 250 and they shot right past it. They went all the way up to like 425 and then they buckled down back to, you know, 318 and now they're, they're holding it, whatever they're holding at, which is way above the reference rate. But okay, you, they, they did well. And all the people going, see, I told you, don't seem to get it. I don't like Coinbase. I don't like Brian Armstrong. Okay, I'm not fighting for them, guys. I'm just saying you can't just not see the fact that they actually kind of went beyond expectations on their on their listing. Uh, last bit up is Miami-Dade residents could soon pay tax in crypto. Scott Cipollina's got it from Decrypt. 
residents of Miami-Dade County could soon be able to pay their local taxes in cryptocurrency. Danielle Cohen-Higgins, the county commissioner who covers parts of Miami-Dade County is calling for the creation of a cryptocurrency task force. The resolution is being considered by Miami-Dade's Infrastructure Operations and Innovations Committee. Per the Miami New Times, the task force would examine the feasibility of allowing uh, county residents who number 2.7 million people to pay taxes in crypto. The cryptocurrencies mentioned in the report are Bitcoin, Shitcoin, and Shitcoin. The resolution also called for the tax task force to consider other cryptocurrency initiatives. And we don't need to go on because, you know, Mayor Suarez is now infecting the city council with the notion that this is the way to go. I don't agree with the shit coinery, clearly, but everything is good for Bitcoin. And that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Daily train wreck brought to you by Walker Bragman, who is a blue check on Twitter, says Bitcoin is a pyramid scheme that's also destroying the planet. As his expected lifeless corpse uh, to would would be burned in the train wreck. No, he's he's squiggling out of the passenger compartments, dragging his worthless ass across the tracks to say the following: Do some research. Listen to Chamath and Daddy Elon. Bitcoin will liberate us. Just get your friends to invest. They get their friends to invest. Those friends get their friends to invest, and so on. Put your put the wealth out of reach of central bankers and into the hands of Elon. And as if not, as if not to die on the spot, as he should, given this horrible fiery train wreck, he finishes his last gasp of life by saying all this talk of inflation and the dangers of central government banks is like a Ron Paul fever dream. Never before have you seen somebody who is either so out of touch or so beholden to the legacy financial system that they will do anything to protect it. This is matrix level shit right here, guys. Walker Bragman, who is, by the way, a journalist, a lawyer, and a cartoonist. Shit you not, that's in his bio. So he's a cartoon lawyer journalist. (laughs) That's exactly what I expected with this kind of bullshit. It is, thankfully, he doesn't have any pronouns in his bio. I'll I'll give him that. But honestly, that's that's kind of a surprise. So Walker Bragman, I'll see, does he actually write for anybody? He's a contributor to something called Jacobin Magazine and Daily Poster. Never heard of either one of them, and yet somehow he has 48,000 followers and a nice shiny blue check. But these are the people that we're fighting against, the people that are still plugged into the matrix who have absolutely no intention of doing anything for the rest of their lives than protecting the system that enslaves them. There's no way for these people, there's no hope for these people to be able to unplug from the matrix. And if you try to unplug them, they will immediately attack you immediately because they fear 
you attacking the system that they have been plugged into for so long. Now, for something happy, we got Dad Says Jokes, who says Amal and Juan are identical twins. Their mom only carries one baby photo in her wallet because if you've seen Juan, you've seen them all. Thank you, thank you. Sadly, I will not be here for the rest of the week because it is Friday and we gotta go. I am well over my hour and I don't wanna waste your time. Please do me a favor and a like, subscribe, share the show, tell your friends about it. If you wanna hear the morning news and you don't wanna to have to read it, send them my way and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.